Simply Focus mit Elvis Chani and Dominic Gilda for live and joy and Welcome back everyone to the Simply Focus podcast, your podcast for life and joy and ease. My name is Elfie Czerny. And I'm Dominic Gouda. Hi there. And we welcome you to episode number 20 of our podcast together with Brenda Salter-Minden. We are super excited to have you here today, Brenda. Thank you very much for hosting us in your treehouse. <laughs> You're very welcome. It's a pleasure to have you guys here. We're sitting literally in the treehouse of Brenda the Salter Minden next to their cottage on a very very nice island and if you hear things in the background of this podcast there is creaking wood and wind Bibiana is inside with Brenda's husband Gary and they are watching a movie so Dominic what were your highlights since we are here on this beautiful island together with Brenda and Gary one big highlight was today when we went on a boat trip Gary and Brenda showed us their lake we drove around this beautiful lake and saw all those islands with the cottages and if you're thinking about Canada and making a holiday in Canada for us it's like a dream coming true and what were your highlights Elfie I also very much enjoyed the boat ride and just today in the morning waking up surrounded by beautiful nature without anything around but nature and getting up in the morning doing my Wim Hof breathing doing my yoga exercises and I was just in heaven. So Brenda what were your highlights so far with us? My highlights have just been having you here with your beautiful daughter and sharing her with us, meaning myself and Gary, and just seeing your parenting style and having wonderful conversations about anything and everything from all of our hearts. I can only agree and just this conversation we had today about forever seeing greatness in others and the work you do, the stories you share, they just amaze me and make my heart spring and sing and dance. And Brenda Salterminton has a lot of experience in solution-focused work. She was in Milwaukee, trained by Steve DeShazer and Insu Kim Burke. She's a solution-focused practitioner for many, many years and still you can see how she lives solution-focused and just today we had this lovely conversation about the three stages of being solution-focused or embracing solution-focused and I can hear in every sentence you say how you applied not only well back then as a therapist then later in the organizational development field as a speaker to leaders working in in all the different kind of fields with hospitals with all different kind of people and seeing your brilliance in doing that so what fascinates you with solution focus brenda The most important thing for me that fascinates me is, as a therapist in particular, I felt like I was coming home when I met Insu for the very first time and heard her speak about the model. I was really searching for something that I could grasp in the work that I did predominantly at that time in mental health with adolescents who were really struggling. And what caught my attention was the absolute opposite of an experience I had had a week prior to meeting Insu, where I was invited to attend a seminar. And the woman who was leading the seminar thanked us for being there and then said, every idea you've ever learned, every theory you've ever studied, I need you to leave at the door. 
because now I am going to tell you what works. And we are going to bring in children and families to work with together. And you will have something in your ear where I will actually tell you what question to ask. And then whatever the client says, I will then give you the next question to ask. At break, I said to her, are you kidding? (laughs) And she said, no. I said, I don't think this is for me then. What happens to building from what the client is saying? And she said, oh, no, we are the experts and I will teach you the right way. And I left and got reimbursed and then was fortunate enough to meet Insu and I heard her respectful way of embracing people in conversations and the not knowing stance and always being curious and that just fit with who I am as an individual and I knew I need to know more I need to follow this it's from my heart. Mm. So you've been doing that for such a long time now what is still fascinating you today There are always surprises. I was just sharing a story earlier about Insu sharing with us in one of her gatherings at her home with pizza and beer, of course. And somebody had asked her how she could live the model. And I was sharing her response. And the third phase, without going into a great amount of detail, is how you have to embrace it in your own personal life. And the very first time I did that with my daughter, she was about eight years old at the time. And I noticed that whenever I was trying to compliment her, it was very difficult for her. And she shut down. She didn't engage in conversation further. She would sometimes even get angry. And that puzzled me because I was trying to compliment her. And I told her that. I was proud of her and I had lovely things to say to her. And I was curious and puzzled by her response and asked her, what would be the best way for me to show you my appreciation and my pride? And she surprised me and said, something that I absolutely never would have thought of myself. She said, write it down, mommy. Write me a card. Write me a note. Leave it on my pillow and surprise me so I could find it. And then on my own, I can read it and know that you're happy with me. And that's just not something that I ever would have thought of doing. And fortunately, she taught me. And so that's what continues to surprise me to this day is how people know what it is that they need. People know what they like. People know how they want to be seen and how they they want to be appreciated. We just have to ask them. We just have to ask them, right? You talked about the two other stages as well. Could you just briefly share that, what Insu shared there with you? Of course. She talked about the very first stage being curiosity about the model of the solution-focused approach and people coming, reading a book, an article, or coming to a conference and experiencing it, and then going home and deciding that they might ask a scaling question or they might ask a relationship question, and yet they're still doing it from a problem-focused stage. And there was no judgment in that. It was just they were learning, they were experiencing it and practicing. And the second phase was when they continued to explore the model. And suddenly, in, for example, a case consultation session, when somebody, a colleague, was describing a family from the problem-focused perspective about all the things that were wrong and all the reasons that the person was there to seek help, the individual in the second phase 
starts to feel uncomfortable and gets this sort of sick feeling in the pit of their stomach. And they have this need to ask a solution-focused question. Wow, the family's been in therapy for 10 years and they're still coming. What is it about them? What does that tell you about them that they're able to not give up and continue to seek help? You know, which therapist did they like the best? And what was it about that therapist that helped them the most? And so on and so forth. And then the third phase, as we talked about, is when we bring that same pit of the stomach sentiment into our conversations with friends and family. And you bring them into so many lives of so many people, of organizations, of teams. And you wrote this brilliant book together with Sarah McVanell, which is called Forever Recognize Others' Greatness, um, solution-focused strategies for satisfied staff, high-performing teams, and healthy bottom lines. And the animal accompanying you throughout this whole book, and there's a workbook as well, and the card set is the frog. Can you tell us more about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. The frog came from one of the nurses that I was working with at one of the hospitals where I worked for most of my career. And we were discussing sustainability of a program at the time called Our People Care, which was how we need to take care of ourselves and each other as staff working shifts and working with very different and difficult patients throughout the hospital. And that if we take care of each other and ourselves, will ultimately be able to provide better patient care. And so it was a solution-focused program that had people come together over a period of 12 hours, done in either three, four-hour workshops or six, two-hour workshops, etc. And one of the nurses asked, we're finished the program now. How do we sustain this? How do we continue? And in healthcare, there are many acronyms. Healthcare is famous for having acronyms. And she said, we need an acronym special to us that will always remind us of our need to continue on this solution-focused journey. And I had just read a story about frogs, and she was thinking and reminiscing about the story that I had read, and she said, what about a frog? A frog can stand for forever recognize others' greatness and forever recognize our greatness. And that's how the frog was born. What a lovely story story and what was the story you read to them? I never found who wrote it. It was an anonymous poem that somebody had written about frogs who were on a journey and came to this tower and they were very excited about this tower and thought that they could climb to the top. So they began their journey and started to climb the tower and an audience collected at the bottom of the tower and the audience was very negative and very problem focused and they kept saying out loud, you'll never do it. You can't make it. You're frogs. You're slippery. You're going to fall. What are you thinking? And all this negative chatter. And yet one tiny, the tiniest frog of all, just kept on going. And he climbed and climbed and climbed and got to the top. So the audience was amazed and they cheered him. And afterwards, they became curious how he did it. And when they started to converse with him, they realized that he was deaf. So he did not hear any of the negative chatter and was just filled from within with all of this positive energy that he knew he could do it. And therefore, he succeeded. I love that story. So very relevant to what we listen for and what we listen to. Absolutely. And what we share with others. Yes. So what differences does it make for the teams when you work with them on appreciating each other and recognizing their greatness? 
It was actually amazing to me as a therapist initially, the power that compliments had, especially with the education from my daughter and others, that not everybody likes to receive compliments in the same way. Not everybody can hear compliments in the same way. And when compliments are given genuinely in the format that the person or people can hear, they have this incredible energy that propels people to do things that they never thought that they could do to recognize strengths in themselves that they had been closed off to for so long. And teams learned how to do this with each other and for each other. And it became magical. Teams that were the lowest functioning in the hospital in terms of their production and performance became top performing teams. And how did you do that? Well, the interesting thing is that I honestly always felt that I didn't do much. And that was the beauty of the approach. When I met Insu and going back to what I was talking about earlier, I always felt that I worked less hard. And it was the teams that did it. They found a rhythm. And when they felt energized and appreciated for who they were, they were able to appreciate other people. I was sharing a story yesterday with Elfie about this school that I worked with that initially hired me to train their staff in the solution-focused approach. And the entire organization metamorphosized, if you will, to use a frog terminology, because once they started to work that way with each other and the way that the workshops were held, they had to recognize themselves and each other. And the entire culture started to shift. And now when new people come to the organization, they can actually tell you that they feel a difference. There are frog pictures and frog ornaments and little squishy frogs that are all over the organization. And the students understand the power of frog. And one lovely example, I was there once and this teenager who was a typical teenager and not always happy and could be grumpy. She was having a difficult day that day and she stormed out of the classroom And within three minutes, she came back with this huge smile on her face. And she did not know who I was or what I was doing there yet because she left before my introduction. And she said to me proudly, I just got a frog. And I said, you did? Can I see it? And it was this tiny little plastic squishy frog that come in a package of six or eight at the dollar store. And she held it up proudly and said, I have a frog pond in my locker. And I said, you do? Can I see it? And she proudly took me over to her locker and opened it. And in there was a gathering of the tiny little squishy frogs. And I asked her what they meant. And she said, well, this one is because when I left the class, somebody asked me to help one of the younger students put on their coat. And I did. So the teacher said, thank you so much for being so kind and helpful to Johnny. And she said, I was in a bad mood. And as soon as they complimented me for that, I felt so much better. And then they gave me a frog. And I was delighted. And she could tell me what each and every little frog 
stood for. And she said, whenever I'm in a bad mood, I seem to have to remember that I can always come to my locker and visit my old friends. Wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> We talked in the last two days about different ways of giving appreciation. And one of them is asking questions and really listening. And the great connection to your frog is in German, a question is eine Frage. Hmm. And in Swiss German, it's a frog. Wow. And we really write it F-R-O-G, so frog. So the power of asking questions and kind of the appreciative power to really trust the client to come up with answers and really take those answers really seriously and listen for them, listen to them, can make a huge difference if you frog. Yes, absolutely. That is unbelievable. And one of my clients, I hadn't, I had only seen her once or twice and she came back. She called me about six months later and said, I'd like to come and see you. And she said, I don't have anything in particular that I'm concerned about. I just need an emotional massage. And I just loved that expression. And she was able to talk about how the questions were like an emotional massage because they reminded her of her coping strategies, of her resiliencies. The questions are so powerful. And you earlier said that you did less and the teams worked more, the people you worked with worked more, so they did it. And still, I guess you did a lot of things to invite them to work in this specific orientation and in this focus. So what did you do with them that worked for them? One of my backgrounds from years ago is psychodrama. And although I don't practice psychodrama in any shape or form, what I took from that was the sociometric part that I learned from Jay Moreno. And that is getting people up and moving. And the power of movement, especially when the questions are solution-focused, was an amazing partnership. And so scaling in action, just doing fun, creative kinds of questions. We talked about some of them earlier about how to help people in a playful way get in touch with answers. So maybe it's that they're standing up instead of sitting down. Maybe that they stand up and then sit down inside circles, outside circles, movement, getting people out of their heads and more connected to their inner selves and always getting people up and moving at the beginning of a workshop, asking them solution-focused questions right from the get-go in a speed meeting kind of situation. I call it speed meeting instead of speed dating. And I often use the cards that Sarah and I came up with, which are based on the solution-focused model. So they have future-oriented questions, relationship questions, goal-setting opportunities, and scaling. And people just randomly are given a card and they have to meet somebody else and ask their question. And always people talk about how that is very different. They have to think about things that they've never been asked by a colleague or a coworker before. So those kinds of playful movement things with solution-focused questioning right at the beginning and listening to the group. I uh, discovered once I started to do organizational development, work with teams, work with whole organizations of people, that it works when you stay solution-focused, meaning when you listen to them. I had this one very, very difficult and challenging situation where I was asked to work with a group of children's aid workers 
workers. And what I didn't realize at the beginning was that they were mandated by their supervisors to come to solution-focused training and to begin practicing using the solution-focused approach. That was their mandate. And of course, they had many questions and concerns about children's safety and how do they combine the two. And I went about doing the training and I had never experienced a group more resistant to playing, more resistant to moving, more resistant to actually answering the questions that they were being asked. And so it was a two-day workshop. At the end of the first day, I called somebody because as an extrovert, I tend to process and come up with my own solutions and figure things out better when I have somebody at the other end of the phone that I can speak with. And I was out of town, and so I was on my own. And we came up with this great exercise called the bottom liners. And basically it was, okay, right at the beginning of day two, I took the flip chart with the agenda and ripped it up. And I brought out a clean sheet of paper. And I said to them, clearly what we did yesterday, I don't know about you, but it wasn't working for me. So how can we make this work today? We're stuck together for the rest of the day. We have no choice but to be here. How can we make it even a little bit more useful than yesterday? What do we need to do? And the exercise called bottom liners was they became the judges. So we picked a panel because there was a group of children's aid workers from across the organization. So we had supervisors, we had family workers, we had child youth workers. We picked one of each grouping of staff and then we divided the rest of us in two. I went to the dollar store and bought a bunch of ridiculous prizes that made no sense to me and were just fun. And then I had the judges come up with different situations where they thought the solution-focused approach could never work in this kind of situation. And their challenge to the groups that were divided in half, the two groups had to come up with the very first sentence, that's all. First sentence, first question, first statement in that situation that could be described as solution-focused, and that's all they had to come up with. And then the judges would let them know whether that made sense or not, whether it would work or not. They loved it. And then, of course, they were thrown a prize. If their team's question or statement was chosen, they got a prize, and they had to tell me the relevance of that prize to the solution-focused model. So they were forced to make connections on their own and I literally sat there and threw prizes <laughs> and I said okay guys it's time for lunch can we continue this after lunch and we did some summarizing at the end about what they learned it was fantastic so going away from lecturing to really learning yes just on the boat you mentioned this very nice story where you learned from your participants too and you did a training and said wow a little bit too often for them yes <laughs> this was a time when heather and i were actually doing a teenage group of uh, young women who had been traumatized heather fisk heather fisk yes we had the privilege of working together for many years and this was a group we ran together and we had just come back from milwaukee and of course, Insu's wow was really contagious. So anytime any of the participants said something that pleased us, surprised us, encouraged somebody else, either one of us or both of us many times would go, wow. And it was after break one day when one of the participants called us together and said, okay, guys, if we hear one of you, either of you, both of you say wow one more time, we as a group decided we are out of here. <laughs> and so it was a similar situation 
happened to the one I shared with my daughter. We had to say to them, well, if we can't say wow, we don't want you to leave. How can we show you our appreciation? How can we show you our encouragement? And how can we compliment you in a way that you would like? And they said, just wink or give us a thumbs up. And that was good enough for them. That was all that they could take in at that time. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Please stay. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Please stay. You've been talking about solution folks questions and the card set. What is your favorite question or what are your favorite questions to ask? Questions that are unexpected. And Sue used to describe them as the tap on the shoulder. What was the last compliment you received and what made it believable? So it's taking a question that perhaps somebody heard at some point, most likely not, and then taking it just that one little step further. So not only what's the best compliment you ever received, what made it believable? And when would be the next time that it would be useful to remember this again? That's one of my favorite ones, especially working with work teams your proudest moment, your best, most recent achievement, questions where they have to talk about work that they did perhaps from their client's perspective at the school. What would the students say they like best about you? I was invited back to observe, which was such a privilege to the school after they had been practicing the model. And one of the most amazing stories was one of their mandates is to work with school avoidant children. And they had been doing it for years and they found that their success rate wasn't great. They were continuing to go and visit these kids in their homes, but getting the kids to actually come to school was much more difficult. So they created a program where during the summer, they went and interviewed some of these school avoidant children and imagine they asked them what needs to happen in order for you to be able to come back to school. And from that research that they did over the summer, they found that the kids wanted to be with three to five other kids maximum and that they would only be able to come every day if it was a half a day. They couldn't come every day. So they set up a morning class and an afternoon class And the students said they had to work at their own pace, of course, and have creative programming. And so when I went there, of course, they knew about Frog, and we were chatting about that. And I was with these kids who have had a history of social issues, etc., etc. And I asked them to tell me why this was working and what they liked about their teacher in front of their teacher and how their teacher had helped them through the year. And that question was very unexpected by them and by the teacher. And he had to sit there and listen to these students who were able to tell him exactly what they appreciated about him. So unexpected and also tap on the shoulder. Well done. Either that you find that yourself or that others find that and tell you. Absolutely. I could listen to your stories forever, Brenda. (laughs) So thank you very much for sharing them. Maybe one last question before we come to the weekly challenge. If there's one takeaway from your learning journey you would love to share with others because this might make a difference for others as well, what would that be right now at the moment? I think for years being solution focused, I practiced being curious, I practiced being kind, I practiced patience and acceptance and recognizing other people's gratitude. What was always difficult and continues to be emotional for me to this day is turning that on to myself. 
and realizing that that step in order to be always present, to be, as Insu described, in the third phase, it has to start with ourselves. If we aren't kind, patient, appreciative of ourselves, it gets harder to continue to do that as the years go on for others. It's truly practicing what we preach, not just with other people, but with our loved ones. And our loved ones start with loving ourselves. How do you do that? I have amazing teachers in my children. I have a wonderful husband who reminds me when I'm being hard on myself and will ask me some of the questions that I need. One last story. It seems my daughter lives very far away and she's obviously on my mind a lot today because I'm going to visit her soon. And there was a time in my life where I had a very, very difficult summer. Many things happened simultaneously. I was in a terrible car accident. I couldn't work. I needed to go to physiotherapy. Then I had a gallbladder attack. My house was hit by lightning when fortunately my children weren't there. They were visiting their dad, but the bed that my son would have been sleeping in caught fire from the lightning. And this all happened within a six-week period of time. And I remembered sitting in the physiotherapist's office and I stared at a sign that said, post-traumatic stress? Are you feeling this, that, and the other? And I diagnosed myself and wasn't very solution-focused and said, oh my goodness, I need to see a therapist, which I would often do, providing the person is solution-focused. But at that time, this person was not. So I booked an appointment and he was a lovely gentleman, but I remember going and I had all these things that I wanted to ask him and he was and asking me anything. The most important thing that occurred was that before I left the house to go, my daughter asked me where I was going. I think she was 11 at the time, and I said, I'm going to see a therapist. And she laughed and said, isn't that what you do? <laughs> and I said, yes. And I explained rationally that sometimes we need to see our own therapist and, you know, it's difficult. And she just shrugged her shoulders and said, mommy, I don't know why you don't just take a chair, pull it up to a mirror and ask yourself the questions that you need to hear right now instead of going and giving somebody else money when you can do it better yourself. And I laughed and said, Whoa. oh, honey, you're so, you know, you're so sweet. And off I went and I came back and I looked at her and I said, you are so smart. <laughs> <laughs> and I literally did that. I pulled up a chair in front of the mirror and I said, how are you coping? How are you getting up every day and still taking your kids to school and blah, blah, blah. So we need to start with ourselves. So the tapping on the shoulder questions even worked for yourself. Absolutely. So let's come to the challenge of the week, Brenda. I think based on what I've shared, the most sensible thing to challenge everybody with is to take a time in the next week to do a couple of things, because I know everybody who's listening to this can manage at least these two things. And the first one is to come up with at least 10 things that you really admire about yourself. And don't make any judgments. Don't think too hard. Just sit down with a pen and paper or on the computer, whatever pleases you most, and write those things down. That's the first challenge. And the second challenge is, for those who are listening to this and still working every day, is to invite you to either go to the dollar store and buy some little tiny frogs or use pennies that we no longer have here in our beautiful country or something, five small things that at the beginning of each 
each day you put in one pocket. And they're there as a reminder that there has to be at least five people in the day that you pay a really genuine compliment to or ask an indirect compliment kind of question of so that by the end of the day you've either handed out five frogs or you have the five pennies now in your other pocket. I love this challenge and I love journaling as many of you might know already. <laughs> so, <laughs> And I love writing down what I admire and love about myself. So I'm really looking forward to this challenge and the extended version of this challenge also share that with others. And I think we have to go to a dollar store now. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm into <coughs> you find both our lists on our website. Wonderful. So thank you very much, dear Brenda, for this inspiring talk. It's um, been really fun. I'm forever grateful because like the messages you share are so close to my heart and are truly things I see how much difference they make when we start with ourselves and by that seeing others even more in their greatness. And I truly believe that we cannot pay enough attention to love ourselves mm -hmm. to by that love others even more absolutely so go out and buy the books forever recognize others greatness and tools and strategies to forever recognize others greatness by sarah mcvanel and brenda salter minden and there are also those great frog card solution focused conversations that brenda mentioned you'll find the link to those books and to the card set on our resource section on our website www.sfantour.com slash Simply Focus Podcast and then go to episode number 20. And please let us know about your list and let us know what inspired you in this podcast or if you have a question for Brenda let us know and comment. Brenda will be on our website and we'll check the comments and we'll answer you if you have a question for her. If you have not yet subscribed to our podcast please do that on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn or Blueberry or even by email. As well as share our podcast if you find it valuable it might be valuable for someone else and might help people to move on with their solution focused journey be inspired so if you like it please share it and also leave a comment on itunes and give us a rating we would highly appreciate that as well thank you very much thank you and we're now going out and go water skiing yeah, my first time. Da -da. Thank you very much, Brenda. You're and very welcome. We are very much looking forward to have some more days with you now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much and goodbye. Thank you. Thank you.